Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you in the building. More often than not, here in the Hyundai Texans radio studio, it's Texans All Access. Sometimes we're in the mobile studio today. We're in the building. Players have been working out. I see coaches, a lot of activity. Johnny, it feels like football season. How are you doing? It does. It feels like football season. The How long they they got in last Monday. And it was glorious. Yeah. I mean, seeing guys. Now, I will say, the offseason, we, we've talked about this. I talked about this with Lovey uh, a couple weeks ago, last time we had him on. We were talking um, about that. I think it was actually the day of the offseason conditioning starting. And I said, Coach, I've seen more players here this offseason. Not all of them rehabbing either. Right. But guys in the building, I've seen at least 25 to 30 different guys in this building this offseason that chose to work out here, including Davis Mills. And as I was asking him the question, he was nodding his head like, yeah, that's that's huge. It's huge to have that camaraderie and be able to build that and have them here. They work out with the guys that know them well, with Mike Eubanks and his staff. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But then on top of it, you get everybody coming back. I went down to lunch uh, at some point earlier in the day. and I walked in and it was just – it was like cafeteria at school, you know, those guys yeah. all over the place and all sitting together again, which is something that hadn't been allowed the last couple of years due to COVID and such. So it was good to have everybody back in the building, see the guys uh, and get them back doing at least a little bit of football stuff for, as you call it, the desert. And after that training camp. Here we go. How about that? Here we go. In the draft, of course, one week from Thursday. I can't believe I just said that. It's one week from Thursday at Miller Outdoor Theater. We invite you out there. Go to HoustonTexans.com for all sorts of information on how to get in. And we look forward to seeing you out there or you listening to us as we will be live on Sports Radio 610 and the Texans app all over the world, the Odyssey app. It'll be Johnny, Andre Ware, Robert Hensley, and I, day one, night number one. For rounds two and three, Seth Payne joins the fray. And then Saturday, Sean Pendergast, you, Clint Sterner on the early shift, and then you and I take it home. We'll have Nick on late in the draft when it's over. He might jump in early if they decide yeah. to uh, stop selecting players at some point and yep. trade the rest of the picks or whatever they do and then pursue undrafted free agents. But we'll have all the coverage for you next week on the air and, of course, all our Texans, social media, digital media, every kind of media you can think of, smoke signals coming from the building, whatever we can do to get you the information out there. So that's going to be fun. All right, last night you threw some draft scenarios at me. I did. And I really wasn't prepared for it, but I thought I did okay. <laughs> no, you did really well. I thought I did you okay did really under well. the circumstances. And sometimes we do more likely to happen. I'm going to adjust the game here, yeah. and I'm just going to go with the first few picks here because I I think and we addressed this last night a bit. When you have this number one overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars and it's not a lead pipe cinch, right. it's really interesting. It throws into play a lot of different possibilities. But, Johnny, more likely to happen Aiden Hutchinson, number one pick in the draft, or – Player B, whoever that might be. Well, I did my mock draft 1.0 uh, a few weeks ago. Figured it was time to refresh it. So I'm, I am in the process. I am through pick uh, number 22. So I have done pick number one. I've done picks three and 13. Now, I have not traded. You know, the, you, you and I had a long discussion about yes. what I did with number eight. And number three, you made two made trades trade. last time. I made, I made, uh, I made a trade. Yeah, that's right. 
Did I do two trades? Yeah, yeah two you trades. dropped down. I dropped down. You dropped down. And I dropped down. I went from 3-13 and 13 to 9-17, and 17, but I picked up a lot of second and third round land yap over the next couple uh, yes, of years, you as did. you like to say. Which is good. Which I would love to see happen because I think second and third round. Landry Locker was talking about this on the air the other day about the 2022nd round. Just he pulled that one out. But 2020, Jonathan Taylor, Debo Samuel. Oh, man, he just he went through all. Uh, Ross Blacklock. Was DK in that one? Was DK in 2020? I believe. I think DK was 2020. Because we saw him at the Combine right before the Yeah, Rona yeah, yeah, hit. yeah. That's right. That's right. DK Metcalf was at the end. He was at the end of the second round. That was a crazy second round. Derrick Henry taking second round. Um, Dalvin uh, Cook, I think, went at pick 47 in the second round, something of that magnitude. I think second and third round, you could find, you could find some ballers. I, I would love to have additional second and third round picks. I had this talk. Uh, with a few scouts, actually a couple GMs over the years, about dropping down at the end of the first round. You're sitting there from, I don't know, 26 to 32, and you're like, yeah, we'll see if we can pick up some picks and drop down into the, the top of the second. I know Ballard did that a few years ago, and I think he was sitting like 28-something, mm-hmm. something like that. And he was like, Matt, we'll just trade down. And they got to the top of the second round and took Rocky Scene. Now, it didn't ultimately work out for Yassine, but – you seen brought back Yannick Ngakwe, so who knows? Maybe maybe it ends up working out. Well, anyways, oh, that's a that's a little subtopic that we have to get into. Yeah, when you look at those numbers put up in terms of forced fumbles by Ngakwe and Darius Leonard, that's a little bit frightening when you look at that Colts scary. defense getting Ngakwe in the fold. Everyone talks about the sacks, the strips yes. are what I worry about with him Massive. to go along with Leonard, who's already a terror in that department, and we've seen it up close and personal. It's like playing. 40 minutes of hell against the Hogs. Yeah. Our guy Clint Sterner will love that. When you played you know, college basketball back when it was staying three or four years in college, yeah. there was a great team in Arkansas, and they would press the heck out of you, and they could get their hands on anything and everything. They were so hard to go against because their guards were so quick and so feisty Nolan and so Richardson. good. Yes, and they just put pressure on you the whole time. But you had to protect the ball so well against them. It's kind of the way I feel with Leonard and Ngakwe. You better have two hands on the ball. I can't – I mean, the number of times Leonard – Leonard's not even going to tackle anybody anymore. The tackle is just the secondary aspect He just wants the ball out. He's going to punch the ball out. I mean, he literally is punching at the ball every time he's around it. He might go to make a form tackle and eschew the form tackle and just, boom, punch it out. And that is a – I, that I can't tell you how hard that is. Well, the guys here are coached to punch, but they're coached to tackle first, right? Right. right. But on your way, and if you're pursuing the quarterback, right. if you're a pass rusher, hey, when you get there, yeah, don't forget to try to get the ball out. Right. Don't just try to get the quarterback down. Get the ball out. Who was it that told us sacks are selfish? Maybe maybe John Grenard who said that sacks are selfish because that's a stat for you, but you get the ball out. That's for the team. That's for the team. I think that came from Lovey, and he was it was relayed to yeah. us through players. I think I think you're right. So back to the original question, that is Jacksonville at, at number one. And I think in that mock draft, I ended up putting Aiden Hutchinson. And I thought there have been four names that I can remember hearing at number one, which is weird because we have not heard in years past, we knew it was going to be Trevor Lawrence in right. 2021. 
We knew it was going to be Joe Burrow in 2020. We knew Kyler Murray in 19. Baker Mayfield was a little different with the Browns. Mm-hmm. He was a name that really didn't get hot until about a, probably about four or five days before the draft, and then it was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna take Baker, and then all mocks became Baker at one. This one's all over the map. I have I have this one's nuts. I saw somebody in Jacksonville say today, and what are Jim Harbaugh and Trent Balky talking about? Oh boy, because Harbaugh at Michigan, knowing Aiden Hutchinson, Trent Balky. And Harbaugh were GM and head coach together out in San Francisco, and that didn't end well. So are they talking? Are they discussing? What are they talking about? There's just so many different wrinkles to this and what the Jaguars are doing, and I, I will give them credit. It's it feels very close to the vest. Like they're not they're not divulging anything. So people are really guessing at Jacksonville, and that makes the rest of the mock draft a total guess. You're filibustering here, Johnny. Answer the question. Trayvon Walker. All right, so more likely to be Trayvon Walker than Aiden Hutchinson, in your opinion. I think. I think are you calling your shot right now? You can change your final prediction. Here's next why week. I say this: This is going to be a. I think with Trayvon Walker, you get two for one. And here's my here's my thought. Okay. The Jags. We don't entirely know what the how the Jags will play. Whether it's four man surface. My guess is with Mike Caldwell, it'll be a four man surface. But either way, with Trayvon Walker, you can move him inside and rush him inside and have Josh Allen and Kalon Chase on on the outside and Ooh. make the most of those two draft picks of Chase on and Walker. If you go Aiden Hutchinson, Hutchinson's the edge guy. He's not going to bump inside, and you know Josh Allen's on the outside. Chase on has no home. Now, Chase on was not a Trent Balky pick, I don't believe. I think it was one of the last of Dave Caldwell, I think. That said... You'd like to be able – you got a guy in house that's pretty athletic. He hasn't lived up to the hype as being a first-round pick. But if you take Hutchinson, you seemingly eliminate Chase on altogether. But if you have Walker because he can bump inside, you can make use of both Walker and Chase on. So talking myself into that, I'm going with Trayvon Walker at number one with the Jags. Okay. A little, a little two-for-one in that you get Walker's impact, but you don't lose – a potential impact from a guy going to his third year in Caleb on Chase. Yeah, Sean and Seth were talking a lot about that Peter King piece this week where he talked about Walker and all the mocks or many of the mocks late in the regular season had Walker in the 30s, right. you know, right. high second, low first, and he's just shot up the charts. Does that mean he's shooting up the draft boards with the various teams around the league? No. Have they always had him where they've had him, wherever that might be? Yep. Was he down? Or, you know, sometimes you think, is that just mock guys doing it? Is it the pundits doing it? Or is it that somebody got information from a GM saying, hey, Walker's really good, and it got out that way, and it just sort of leaked to the other mocks, and here we are. I don't know. It's an interesting question. And why do I get – not that I think he's J.J. Watt, Trayvon Walker, but – it sounds like you're talking about Watt sometimes when you talk yeah. about him because Watt going into the draft, I'm saying, not Watt now, right. three-time defensive player of the year, but Watt going into the draft. Yeah, you know, he can get after the quarterback, I guess. He'll be okay. He can do that. Sure, he's, he's going to be ferocious inside, uh, I mean outside, but you could play him inside a little bit. Now, he obviously ended up as a 3-4 player here under Wade Phillips, who used him any which way he possibly right. could, but mostly on the outside. I mean, very often Watt would line up, and it would look like a 4-3 D, and he's lining up at the end. Yeah, which is what he did at Wisconsin. So he kind of he kind of ended up there. And so when the – Watt's – it's an interesting – it's is almost 
I don't say he is Trayvon Walker, but I think sort of the approach, I think people knew about J.J. I think Combine woke people up a little bit more to, whoa, this guy's not just this farm kid, mm-hmm. you know, gritty farm kid uh, with the buzz cut. He's an athlete. Like, this dude can pl- – and then people are like, well, let's go back and watch. And I think that's sort of what happens in this draft process. I actually texted Landry and John listening to them. They were talking about Sauce Gardner. And in talking about Sauce Gardner, I said, what if his name wasn't Sauce? I mean, his name is actually Ahmad Gardner. But right. what if he didn't have the nickname Sauce? And we like, would it impact his draft stock? Would people – and when I say impact the draft stock, I don't think the teams care. But from a media perception mm. and from what the fans look at, Sauce is cool. He's got the sauce neck chain or the uh, necklace. He showed up for uh, interviews, brand. At the combine. Yeah, it's it's a it's sort of a branding thing, and then it gets in your head like, oh man, I like sauce. Oh, he didn't give up a touchdown in his career. Did you watch him play? Yeah, I mean, most people have watched him play a little bit, or they've seen at least highlights. They have an idea. They know he's fast. They watched him at the combine. So there's a lot that goes into it, but I think there's a certain level of of branding that sort of goes into it. The branding's a little different for Trayvon and J.J., but I think both of them, Trayvon got branded as, well, he was the other guy. J.J. got branded as, well, he's just kind of this oafish white guy from Wisconsin. And I think those brands kind of stay with with players for a while, and I think that's what's what's happening. The two people that I know had Trayvon Walker. Now, I had him in in my second version of the Harris 100. I think I had him at number 20. The two people that I knew that had him consistently top 15 or higher were Daniel Jeremiah and Dame Brugler. And I know they talk to scouts a lot. So my thought on that had been the guys that talked to the scouts a lot had Trayvon Walker very high. So what were they hearing from the scouts on Trayvon Walker? Aha. Uh-huh. That's kind of in my mind – where I where I I felt it was with Trayvon Walker. I remember watching him uh, at Georgia, thinking, "Whoa, man!" I thought back into the first when I first saw him, and then the athleticism showed up at the combine. Like, okay, this the, you, you combine the way he plays in the field, that athleticism. Yeah, he should be a he should be a high pick. But, and I said this to Ron and, and uh, Clint, he's he's different in that. You think of edge rusher, what are you thinking of? You're thinking of a guy that just plays outside the entire time. And this is why he's similar to J.J. in some respects. J.J. was, what, a 3-4 defensive end, so he would line up inside. He'd line up uh, as a three technique over the guard where he went to work. I mean, he was tremendous in that way. J.J. had a few pounds at Walker, but it's the same kind of feel. You're not getting an edge guy. You're getting a defensive lineman, a guy that can play outside, a guy that can bump inside. That's a little different, but I think for Jacksonville, it might it might work, and it might work pretty well. In the long run, the other guys that are in competition for that spot, we all we all know a little bit more. Aiden Hutchinson was a Heisman Trophy candidate. Evan Neal played at Alabama. Ike Iquanu is the pancake king. I mean, people, uh, people kind of caught up to him this year, so they felt like they saw him in the fall, so they were kind of on him at that point. But those are the four names I've heard. But Walker, because he was the other Georgia guy, because he's not a traditional – uh, four, three defensive and three, four outside linebacker type. He's kind of a hybrid inside-outside guy. So that confounds people in our business as well. So from all that, I think Jacksonville looks at it and goes, Trayvon Walker, very intriguing. It's going to be a risk either way. But I think Trayvon Walker gives them a little bit more, which gets it gets kind of fun. But because Walker's name, and I said this to, to Clinton Ron as well, 
because Walker's name was not out there, to your point, Mark, the media didn't put it out there because a lot of the media really didn't didn't know. They didn't do the homework. They don't know. And I, and I don't blame They're them. They're reacting. Because, yeah, and a lot of people don't dive into it the way that, that some others do. Like you. Like Mike Renner, PFF, you know, he knew about him. I obviously do do mine. Dane and, and Daniel talked to the scouts. I talked to some scouts. I mean, I talked to our guys in the building, but obviously, um, you know, that's you know confidential information I don't want to ever use. So I, I gauge. I know some scouts around the league, and but I try not to to pick their brain too too much on guys. But well, you can do your own evaluation. That's yeah. the difference between you and other people. Yeah. And, I, you and, can I'm, and I'm fine evaluate. with that. And I'm and I'm fine with that. But it's interesting with Walker because I think if we sit here and say Walker isn't the first pick. And he's sitting there available for the number three pick. And I have this every night I drive home, Marker, every time I'm driving, and I think about Miller Outdoor Theater and our draft party, I think about what's the name that's coming and how will I react. Yeah. And I don't think there's anybody where I'm, I'm in my mind go, oh, my God, I'm going to have to fake this because I don't like this guy at all. I don't think there's anybody of that ilk. Yeah, because you can make a case for almost all of these yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, totally. Right? Totally. So there's nobody where I'm going to go, Oh my God! I can't believe total reach on yeah. that guy. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Even even if you take a player a few spots higher than the mocks yeah. have him, hey, like I've always said, if if that's the player you like, go ahead and take him. All right, right. Let's move on to pick number two. All right, this has been a little lengthy, but we're not doing more likely to happen. Yeah, we're doing because if I said more likely to happen, Aiden Hutchinson or not to Detroit, you're going to say Aiden Hutchinson more likely to happen. No doubt. But he what is. is what is the percentage of probability? How much of an upset is it if Hutchinson is right there for the Lions and they don't pick him? You know, barring Hutchinson doing something horrible. Yeah, yeah. Hutchinson is there, eligible, available, and they deny him access to the Detroit Lions facility and they draft somebody else. Chances of that happening yeah. are probably 0.00%. That much. Because they're going to sell I, tickets. He's yes. a Michigan guy. Let's yes. go. All right. I mean, think about if – Think about if Texas or Texas A&M had a quarterback or a player that had just won a national championship and would end up getting drafted in his hometown. Think what that would have been like. <laughs> that would never have. Oh, wait a Stop minute. Stop the sanity. Wait, wait <laughs> yeah, a minute. That doesn't really wait work as well. No, he's not getting. He, Hutchinson will not get past the top two picks. Let's be clear. You're talking about as BY, long, by the as way. As long as – yes, I am. He as divided long, the fan base. He did. He did. Hutchinson not being drafted in Detroit could have that impact as well. And we have a one-man focus group in our in our, uh, in our our department. That's Tyler Marcotte because mm -hmm. he's he from works Michigan. for us. He's from Detroit. Mm -hmm. um, he's from Michigan. He went to Central Michigan. Big Lions fan. Big Sparty fan. So he's torn. Ooh. Like he is torn. Oh yeah, about that. So for his for his lions, so yes. to speak. So if Detroit stays at number two, mm -hmm. I would say there's a virtual, it's a virtual lock. Hutchinson's not getting beyond one or two. And I would imagine in the city of Detroit, there's very little debate. It's Hutchinson or bust if he's available. Mm -hmm. They've got to go with him. And their whole draft conversation is about well. Are the Jags going to take him or not? And if they take him, who are we going to take? Yeah. That's what they're thinking about right now. Of course, the Texans are number three. We have to come up with the first two slots filled and then who the Texans might take. But you had Walker, then Hutchinson, and then it'll be? What do you think I did? 
You didn't trade, and you went for Iquanu. You're good. Yeah. You're good. You know me. I like Iquanu. Yeah. I like Neil. I actually have Neil rated a little bit higher, but when I do my Harris 100, it's key to know that I do the Harris 100 not for the Texans draft specifically. Right. right. It's just where I would rank guys all-encompassing board all 32 teams. I think for some fit teams – Fit for the team. Right. Fit for the team, everything. I just feel like Iquanu, with his athleticism – it's his athleticism is a little different than Neil, so I went like I went with Iquanu at three, and I just put O L next to his name. I didn't put O T or O G O L. Draft him, figure it out. Okay, figure it out. I like he's that. too good. Here at that point, we'll have three f- current fir- or former first rounders in Titus Howard, uh, Icky Iquanu, and Larry Tunsil. Figure it out. Who? All right. So let's say you take Iquanu at three. Who are you really hoping falls to you at 13? The big fella. The big fella. Thibodeau. Just kidding. No. (laughs) The only big fella. All right, so you're hoping it's, uh, what's his name, Johnson? Jordan Davis from Georgia. Oh, you want Jordan Davis. I want the big fella. How big is he? 6'6", 345. That's nothing. Who runs a four seven? He might not have had as much well, for on. breakfast today. Hold on, we were talking about JJ a little while ago. Now I don't want to denigrate ever denigrate JJ Watt. Right. It'll never happen. This is a non non denigration of JJ Watt show that's already been trademarked. We will never mm-hmm. do that. Jordan Davis is 6'6", 345 pounds. He's fifty five pounds larger than JJ was at the combine. Fifty five pounds more, and he ran faster. JJ ran a four nine. Jordan Davis ran a four seven eight at six six three hundred and forty one pounds. Dang. Yeah. This might be the player I've always dreamed about, Johnny. Yes. He's a little bit he's a little tall for three forty. I like him a little shorter. Have Lower center of gravity. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm he's got so a picky. thirty plus inch vertical leap. Mark, he's maybe the most athletic interior defensive lineman I've seen. So he's, he's crazy. On, he's on the interior, but if Jermaine Johnson was there at 13 and he's a defensive end, would you go ahead and do it? I'll or is it, he a little light? I'll put it this way. Hmm? Pick number 14 is the Baltimore Ravens in my newest mock about to come out. And they selected defensive end slash outside linebacker Jermaine Johnson, Florida State. Okay. So I went with Davis on the inside. Now, I I agree. There's got to find guys that can rush the edge and – Maybe that's a little bit more important because you are bringing back Malik. You are bringing back Roy. I just think Davis can be a game changer inside. And the way that he He's can gone play by with 13, those, right? I don't think I, – I, I have I've seen – I would say it's probably 60-40 that he's not. Maybe even 70-30 that he's not. I've seen Davis from beyond 13. Some people don't think he's going He's going in the 20s because they think he's a one-trick, tri- one stop-the-run pony. Are both corners gone by 13? Yes. Yes, I and Hamilton, they're all three gone. Yep, I have I have Stingley at seven, the Giants, Sauce to the Seattle at nine, and I have the Commanders ruining the party and taking Kyle Hamilton at eleven. All right, what about receivers? Do you have Wilson gone by thirteen? No, I do not have Wilson gone. I have two receivers prior to the Texans taking a pick. My wide 13. receiver, my wide receiver one. I mean, I I went with it. I went totally opposite what I had said in my first mock. Just change things up and kind of thinking, you know what? I don't know if these quarterbacks yeah. are going to be such a hot topic. So I don't have a quarterback going until number 19. The first quarterback is I have at nine, is that 19, and it's not Malik Willis. So with the eighth pick, Atlanta takes a wide receiver. 
And they take Chris Olave from Ohio State. They have nobody. Mark, listen listen to Atlanta's wide receiver core and tell me, I mean, it could be it could be brutal in Atlanta this year. There's no AJ um there's no um Ridley. Uh, no Julio Jones. There's no Ridley. Here are the receivers in Atlanta. Tell me if you heard any of these guys. Out Tate, Demir Bird, Olamade Zacchaeus, uh Kadero Hodge, Frank Darby, oh, Chad Hansen. Uh, and Austin Trammell. Those are the receivers in Atlanta. And I'm like, they got to take the receiver. That's a good point. Pass on quarterback. They take Olave at eight. And then I got to the Jets. And the Jets is where I – the Jets I went back and forth about Jordan Davis or somebody else. And then I looked at the receivers. They went receivers with Elijah Moore. They signed Corey Davis, who I think has been okay. And then they've got um, – And they tried to trade for you-know-who, Tyreek yes. Hill. Right. So I gave them the kind of opposite of Tyreek Hill. I feel like they needed a little bit of size because they got Braxton Berrios and they got Elijah Moore, both kind of five, nine and under guys. I gave him Drake London from USC, the rebounder. And he had a workout, a private workout at USC and they, they could use a guy of that ilk. So I had London. So I had two receivers going in the top 10. I had two corners going in the top nine. I had uh, the three tackles by, by six, but I didn't have a quarterback till number 19 and the new Orleans saints and guess who I mocked to the New Orleans Saints. Who? Not Malik Willis and not Kenny Pickett. Oh, your boy? Desmond Ritter. Ritter. Yep, Ritter from Cincinnati. I just have a hunch about New Orleans and Cincinnati. I just have a hunch with Ritter and A lot New of people think his stock is soaring, yep. but, again, these things are inexact, to say the least. Coming up, what Bill Polian had to say about the three big DBs, the two corners and Kyle Hamilton, the safety, and see if Johnny agrees. We're going to get into that and then some here on Texans Radio. It's Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Great to have you listening. Draft is a week from Thursday night to start it off. We'll cover all of it for you. And we were in the midst of a conversation, many conversations really, on the NFL draft. It's just going on and on and on. We need this thing to get here. But work to be done, analysis to be made, and you need to listen. Johnny Bill Paulian, great evaluator yeah. of talent. He's put together, he's put together some squads. Okay? Yes, you got to yeah. give him credit for that. Here's what he had to say, and I'm just going to paraphrase here on the three big DBs early on in this draft. Stingley, Sauce, and Hamilton. Okay. Okay. First of all, he said Stingley. He said they're all awesome athletes. It's great. I mean, wonderful. He he gave you all the positives. I'm going to give you the warts here. Okay. He said the injury history for Stingley is definitely a concern. Yes. But – there's talk that maybe he was just waiting to get into the league. So what is it? That's what I've said. That's what I've said all along. He had that year in 2019, and he knows he's got two more years. I mean, he showed in 2019 that he was he would have been the best corner. I can't remember the corners that came out in 2020 in that draft. I'm telling you, he would have been the number one corner off my board. He would have been a top five player in 2020 He as after his true freshman year. So then COVID hits. And he doesn't have a great year in 2020. It's all over the place. The team is not that good. The team is a total just, you know what, bleep, just mess. And then he gets to 2021. It's still that same sort of mess. And then he gets to the Liz Franck injury. So it would, I think you can connect the dots A to B to C. And then I think this happens with some young guys that you know and they hear it so often, like, oh, man, you're destined for the league, man. You got everything the league's looking for. You're a top three guy. You hear that forever. And you start to – I know I know a guy – I. this is my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
Couldn't have been more polar opposite from 2020. 2020, I thought he was a top five pick. 2021, I watched him and went, oh, he's going to the league. He's going to the league. He's saving himself. Like, you could see it. You could see the way he was playing. Like, there were times where he could have just finished a running back and he would, like, pull up and not hit the guy. You could just start seeing little things like that, that on was. film. I'm not saying who that was. Not, put, not putting <laughs> that out there. Not, put, not putting that out there on that particular player. But the point being, I do think that players go through that process. And I think Stingley, I think Stingley may have. If you get comfortable with the injuries that, okay, it wasn't always a nagging thing. He was begging out, whatever. Team's going to have to get comfortable with, with that sort of thing. I kind of got that feeling for Patrick Sertan a little bit from Alabama. Now, he didn't have quite the disruption. You know, it had COVID in 2020, but, you know, his dad played in the NFL. Everybody talked about him going to the league. I felt like there were times – Trayvon Diggs did this with Alabama too. I just felt like times he was just kind of like, whatever, I'll show up for the big games and just kind of make it through, and then I'll get to my third year, and then I'll be out of here. And that kind of gave me a feeling of Sertan last year. I wasn't totally sold on him. I thought he was a good, really good player. But I think he played better at Denver than than maybe I anticipated because he got to the league. He's finally getting paid. He's kind of where he's kind of where he needs to be. But yeah, that's something to think about with Stingley for sure. What do you say about Sauce? All right, with Sauce Gardner, it was about the guy is awesome. He's probably going to be great, but he's handsy. Yes. And in college, he Polian went into this long dissertation about how in college it's getting handsier than ever. And it's it's an epidemic, yes. and they've got to do something about oh, yeah. it. Maybe the 15-yard penalty, this is me, not him saying this, maybe the 15-yard penalty versus the spot foul for DPI has something to do with that. Yes. Also, you just don't have the time to coach as hard as you do in the NFL. True. The attention to detail, the technique, all of it, de- definitely better than high school, obviously, but it's just it's one step below the National Football League. So Sauce, while really good, Hansy is going to have to learn how to play without his hands because they will call that yes. stuff in the NFL. But he was confident he would have the ability to learn, and he thought his athletic ability would carry him through. So I was talking to my buddy Eric Crocker. Uh, we were talking about Sauce because he had mocked Sauce. This is probably about about five to six weeks ago. He had mocked Sauce to the Texans, and he was like, what do you think? And so I started going through, and I he had played – Crocker played uh, in the NFL for a year. He played arena ball. So he knows he knows the position. He he coaches kids, trains kids at corner. Like, he, he knows the position. And so he said, what's your concern with Sauce? And I said, exactly what Polian said. I said, the one thing Sauce has got to do, he's got to change his mindset. When he's up playing press and jamming, he's not – he's got good feet, but he didn't trust him. The first thing he does is he grab. He goes to grab. Ah. And I said, I said, Eric, it's like he goes – he goes hands before feet, and I feel like it's got to be the other way around. And I look, and he's, like, nodding, like, yes, yes, that's exactly it. It's got to be feet before hands. And there are times when Sauce does that well, you go, that's the guy. But then you see times where the feet aren't always tied in with the hands and, and the levers, and he's grabbing, he's clutching. And you're right. I've, I've said this a million times about Sauce. There's going to be a defensive holding at some point in the game if he doesn't change that uh, along the way. I love the fact, and he's from Detroit. Now, I I had this I had this thought the other day. Hutchinson is a Detroit homeboy, but it's like Ann Arbor homeboy. Sauce is Detroit City. So right. like, if they wanted to keep a homeboy, like a true Detroit kid around, they would draft Sauce at number two, and the Lions could use it 
um, especially because they haven't got anything from, out of Jeff Okuda. Aaron would love that. Oh, it would be awesome. But Sauce has got to change that part. That has got to continue to evolve. And that's a that's a big deal. I mean, I'm glad mm-hmm. Pauline pointed out because I've, I've been saying that from jump about Sauce, and that's a big concern. They let guys get away with nearly everything in college. I mean everything. It's it's a full-on football war going on with guys running routes down the field. I mean, it's it's nuts. DBs are grabbing towels and jerseys. It's crazy what they get away with. And then you watch one of our games, and it's like, nah, man. Can't do you're it. Not get, you're not getting away with that. Your technique better be pristine. Well, this league likes a lot of points. Yes. Not that they don't in college, but it's just a different deal. They and just don't call that at all. It's got to be brutal. All right, here's Polian. This is my paraphrase, not a cut. It sounds like I'm about to go into a cut. Polian on Kyle Hamilton said he's a classic center fielder. This guy has the natural instincts, can't be coach type instincts to play deep and patrol things in the defensive backfield. He does take some bad angles on the run game. He didn't think the the speed thing was going to be a concern at all. He runs fast enough. He can make good decisions. But the run angles have to be improved. But he was really high on him. He thought, yes, this guy's going to be a starting safety in the NFL and a really good one. Yeah, he's going to be excellent. I do think he can be he can be a little reckless, not finishing tackles, not reckless or not not scared. I mean, he's fearless. He'll hit, he'll hit anything. I mean, he's, he's he'll hit anyone. Finishing that tackle sometimes and some of the tackles and some of the 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 plays he gets to that other guys won't because of his football IQ. I think that stands out to me more than anything else. When you watch him, you can tell this dude's pretty – he's smart. He is really smart. What he sees, what he knows, he can see the whole field. He understands what teams are doing under, uh, in front of him. He He's physical. I think the tackling aspect has got to improve. I think it always can improve. And that's one of the things I, I think about with, with, with Lovey's defense. When this team tackled well last year, it played well. And that's that's pretty common. But I feel like it's that much more because of the style that they play and what they demand when they're playing Tampa 2, demand of those corners to come up and make tackles on wide runs and be involved in, in the run defense and asking safeties to come up and not only be physical but to finish plays such that they're not coming up and throwing their body into somebody and then – break a tackle and it turns into another five seven yards before somebody can bring a ball carrier down that is obviously something with Hamilton he's gonna he's gonna have to work on it continue to work on being a good tackler but everything that he's talked about is those are all those are all the things that that we've been talking about about those three guys you can live with those things the one that would be the hardest to live with if you found evidence to the contrary is Stingley's not so much the injury stuff, but if you found out that there's oh, a problem, yeah, if you found out that that was a problem and that was right. a big problem, and you're like, man, now you're going to give this guy millions of dollars? Do you trust that he might not week twelve when the season's not going great? That he's like, uh, I don't know if I want to be here. I don't get that sense. But if you found out that, I would be truly worried about that for anything else. All right, coming up. Is there a thinking man's pick at corner that we haven't talked about much? And the USFL, they're underway. They screwed it all up. And I'll <laughs> tell you why. It's Texans All Access.
Mark Vandermeer and John Harris, Texans All Access, as we talk draft, other stuff. Johnny, thinking man's pick at corner. We talked about the top two rated corners. Yeah. The popular picks of Sauce Gardner, of Stingley. But is Trent McDuffie the yes. thinking man's pick? Yes. I love Trent McDuffie. Now, this, From Washington, by the way. Yeah, from Washington, went to St. John Bosco. And I bring that up because there is, there's this uh, thing on YouTube called Under the Radar. And they will go to these big high school games. They start in California. They go to these big high school games. And they get down on the sidelines and they film everything. But they film at a field level and they take the game and they put it basically down in like a, a 14, 15-minute video. So you essentially get a chance to watch the game. But it doesn't come with rosters or anything, so you got to yeah. look stuff up. And so a few years ago, there was a game between St. John Bosco and Modern Day. Quarterback for Modern Day was Bryce Young. Um, St. John Bosco had a corner by the name of Trent McDuffie. And there are players all over the place. I mean, this thing is ridiculous. It is. And so I started watching Trent McDuffie then yeah. when he was with Bosco. And so at Washington, he is – you know who he is to me now that I think about it? He's Kareem Jackson. I always felt like Kareem was the smartest dude on the field, physical, could run, turn and flip his hips, could play any position in the secondary and be successful. The one thing I don't think Kareem ever did really, really well, which kept him, I think, from being a tremendous corner, was be a man cover guy. I think McDuffie could be a little bit better in that way. But if I had to compare McDuffie to a player, I would think it would be Kareem Jackson. Kind of the same size, Not a bad same, mind, same mindset. Everything. Smart, high football IQ. I love the fact that he played at Bosco. Then he played at Washington for Jimmy Lake. It was a really good DB uh, developer. I would. I, I love Trent McDuffie. You could take Trent McDuffie or Andrew Booth from Clemson. He's going through some physical stuff. But he's going to be ready, apparently, by training camp. But I like Andrew Booth from Clemson. They're kind of the same way, built a little differently. But I really love You talk about thinking mans, those would be those. If you want the true thinking man, third round, fourth round, my man's eye on McCollum from out of Sam Houston. Ooh. Graded as the best athletic performance by these guys that do all these different metrics at the combine ever. 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 At his size, his weight, best combine performance ever. 4.33 and a 40, a 6.463 cone, and a 3.96 shuttle on top of great position drills. Wait, what was the 40? 4.33. Okay. At 6'2", 200 pounds. Ooh, yeah. that is major. And, and He'll by the go way, higher. He'll go higher I based on that. I, but I, I would t- I've got him at number 77. Okay. Third round. I mean, I, oh, God, I would love to have him. I would love to have him. All right, I love we'll that. His brother, too. Safety, Tristan McCollum. That'd be fun. At Sam? Twins. Yeah. They, call oh, them, they just cool. call them the twins. Oh, let's do that. From let's Galveston. Do that. Let's yeah. do it. Let's go back to the Moore brothers, okay, <laughs> except get them on the same team. All right, the USFL. They screwed it up. Here's how. Look, the Breakers, I used to live in a dorm that overlooked Nickerson Field where the Boston Breakers played. So this is near and dear to my heart. Yes. The Breaker unis were awesome. And they they changed them to the point where that helmet was perfect. Just bring back the old helmet. Same with the Philadelphia Stars. They're playing the Philadelphia Stars the other day in Birmingham with no fans in attendance because of the bad weather. And, look, I get it. They want to play in a bubble. They want to cut down on travel, whatever. But when they had weather blow whatever fans there were out of the building – when they came back to play, there was nobody in the building. Right. So you got to pipe in the fake crowd noise and go COVID at that point just to make an atmosphere, right. at least yeah. for the national television audience. Yes. 
And the Stars used to have pretty good-looking uniforms. They kind of looked like the 49ers, but not. It's hard to explain. Yeah. They screwed it up. They made the gold yellow. It's it's just awful looking, right? Yeah. And I felt like if you're going to use these brands, right. use the brands. They weren't antiquated looks, all right? right? Obviously, the old uniforms had the giant coffee table shoulder pads like the ones Andre used to wear <laughs> and everything like that. I get it. You're going to upgrade yes. the uniform, yes. but not the uniform design too much anyway. And I thought they did that. As far as the ratings, though, Saturday night, Birmingham, the Stallions were playing, so that contributed to yeah. whatever home crowd they could get. But they averaged, like, 2.8 million viewers uh, between the two networks. That's about what these NBA play-in games were getting in prime time. That's pretty good, Johnny. Yeah, that's that's a good. good number right there in prime time. I know they were on major networks, yeah. but, hey, Still. that's that's a nice yeah. piece of work right there. We'll see where they go from here. There's always been a hole in the market for spring football. They've got to make it work. I still think it's really expensive and was it McLean who said last week the most simplistic statement? Rich people don't like to lose money. You know, <laughs> I think he said that, and he's absolutely right. Yeah. You know, they don't like to lose money. Yeah, it's no fun at all. No doubt. I'm I'm with you. If you're gonna if you're gonna go all in on, on the the USFL name and use the names of the teams, go all the way in. Yeah, go all the way in. I mean, repli- especially the stars. The stars are the most successful team in the USFL. Mm-hmm. They were recognizable. I mean, that 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 said, we'll see weeks, I don't know, three, four, five down That's the gonna road. That's going to be the key. That's that, going to be the key. That is going to be the key. I've, I've watched a little bit, and I think it's it's decent football. The problem, yeah, let's say problem, spring leagues are running up against more than they ever have. The Premier League has been more successful. Yep. Um, shoot, even F1 is more successful because of what's going on on Netflix with their uh, documentary uh, there on Netflix. It feels like you, and you got all of Netflix, all of Netflix and all the streaming. And, and all TV's that. more fragmented than yes. ever anyway. Right. You've got more going on against spring football than ever before, and it just gets lumped in there. Now, if you continue to put up – you continue to have a show and the, it's the show every single week, then, all right, people will keep coming back. But – that's what I hope that happens. I'd like to see it fly. I mean, there's some good people in that USFL league, um, not the ones that cut the running back because he wanted a pizza instead of chicken salad, but that's a story for a different day. Exactly. Well, you don't want to overload too much on cars. I guess. We all agree with that, right? Yeah. Okay. Johnny, thank you very much, you sir. Thank you. All right. Tomorrow we'll have another draft show because why not? It's a week from Thursday. Miller Outdoor Theater. Looking forward to bringing it all to you live. Thanks so much for being a part of the festivities tonight. Thank you, Austin, for producing. Have a great night. Go to the Texans app for this show and a few and plenty of other great content for you to ingest. Go Texans!